Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, William? I need more energy, buddy. Come on, come oh, in sorry, a bit sorry, hotter. Sorry. This, is, this is it. This is National Championship Day today. We have crowned the champion of season 2020-21. A season like no <laughs> other. And you just kind of come in with that shit. Come on, give me oh. something. Sorry, sorry, I'll bring the energy. Well, I, maybe I don't have to because on tonight's show we get to welcome on board uh, a guy who's a friend of the show. He's been here before, uh, a born and bred boy from Birmingham, Alabama, Drew Aiken. How are you going tonight, mate? Yeah, I'll blow the doors off. Let's go. R-O-L-L-T-I-D-E. Roll, Tide, roll. Let's go. <laughs> There it is. That's what. There you go. All right, you got me. Woo! So so at least you're happy. I mean, before we get to that, though, Drew, we've got a massive show to get to because we are going to talk national championship game. Uh, We are going to get your insights from a fan perspective because you know all these players far better than we do. You know the game of football far better than we do. So we will get all of that. But before we do that, let's talk New England Patriots football because that's why we're really here. Not in the playoffs for the first time. Tom Brady (laughs) is. Uh, How do you feel about that and the fact that, you know, your son's never going to see a successful New England Patriots team um, and that, you know, the, the dynasty's over? What are your thoughts? Hilarious. So it was really difficult this year being an Alabama fan that the, the the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots both went to Auburn, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, 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 it was it was almost as if he was trying to prove a point that he could uh, that Bill Belichick could could uh, get his team into the playoffs with a terrible quarterback, uh, either Stidham or Cam Newton. But, uh, I mean, hats off to Tom Brady. I cannot wait to see what happens. I'll tell you what, if the Rams – I think – are the Rams playing the Packers? Is that what's happened? Yeah. 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 If the Rams if the Rams beat the Packers, the Buccaneers are going to go to the, to the bloody Super Bowl. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and Tom Brady is – Already the greatest quarterback to ever touch a football. I mean, this he he beat Alabama when he when he was at Michigan his last year in a bowl game, and that guy I just I mean I'm I'm like a little bit old a little bit more than a year older than Tom Brady, and I can I can still throw a rope, but I mean this guy just blows my mind. I mean Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Bray, Rob Gronkowski. I mean like. Uh, Antonio Brown and a defense to boot. The Buccaneers, man. I want to buy New Jersey. I like how it's already he has. Like, he's got this great big career arc ahead of him still left to achieve. The dude's been doing it for 30-odd fucking years. Like, I think it's fair to say just based off resume to date, which is ridiculous (laughs) of how long he's been going. But also, It's about angles. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's about angles. It's about <laughs> velocity. It's about movement in the pocket. I mean, he's just the guy is he's like a, a, a Indian guru when it comes oh. to football. But he has but he hasn't told anybody else yet. He just knows all these little secrets himself. What I will say on the Patriots front is I'm glad well, at the start of the year, I just assumed they were going to tank out. Everyone was going to opt out of the season and then they were going to end up with Trevor Lawrence and then we were going to get like another 20 odd years of Patriots dominating the football league but that didn't play out thankfully so now he goes yeah, to Jacksonville I mean, but, well, the whole, but yeah the whole the whole tanking thing with the Jets I mean the, the Jets can't even tank properly how, how crazy <laughs> is that so they'll end up with Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence is going to go to the Jags 
I mean, and and if Devontae Smith isn't the third pick in the draft, I mean, whoever whoever's got the third pick, they're idiots. Well, we'll get to all that in a second. Before we do, there is just a little bit of news I do want to touch on, only because I've got a bit of a gripe with it. If you have listened to this show, you'll know that in recent times, I've been getting a little agitated with things around college football. Here's another one. Uh, th- there obviously isn't much news around at the moment because of everything centering uh, the national championship game in Alabama or Ohio State, as it should do. But the College Football Hall of Fame uh nominees and and winners was announced this week bob stoops gets in former uh oklahoma coach you'll be a fan of that will carson palmer gets in the usc quarterback the one i don't like is tony romo now i love tony romo i think he was a great nfl player i think he's a fantastic commentator he has got pedestrian quarterback stats at the college level. He doesn't even rank in the top 250 passes of all time. Tommy Armstrong <laughs> Jr. finishes well ahead of him, and he ran the wishbone for his whole life. So I just don't understand how Tony Romo gets into the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a good call. I, th- I think it's obviously yeah, name, got, brand, and recognition I around. For, I got nothing for you either. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, you've, you've done a I, bit of research there, and I'm impressed, but I'm, I'm not going to come here dead with you on that one. I just that just infuriates me. Anyway, let's not stuff around. We've got Drew here for a reason. He's smart. He knows football far more intelligent than both of us put together. Not that that is overly difficult, but Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. Uh, I don't have any clips for us this week because there I, I didn't know what to put in. There was just so many plays and it probably centers around this guy let's start with Devonta Smith 12 receptions 215 yards three touchdowns he won the game MVP and did it in 30 minutes of football he injured himself on one play within the second quarter and then left the game with an injured hand I don't think that is going to be too serious normally I don't think it would be possible to win the MVP in such a short amount of time and I think Mac Jones is fractionally unlucky but you have to look at the guy who had the biggest impact on the game when the game was there to be won. That is a true MVP, and that was Devonte Smith. What do you reckon, Drew? Is this guy the best wide receiver to ever play for Alabama? Oh, God. I mean, when you look at the names of the wide receivers who have played at Alabama, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, to name just a couple, uh, Devonte Smith, when he came off the field after hurting his finger, had more yards and more points than the whole Ohio State team. So uh, um, uh, when Tua had his majestic throw to beat Georgia in the SEC championship a couple years ago, Devontae Smith was on the end of it. And that guy has just not stopped. He won the Heisman. He's got he has to be the the first the first pick that's not a quarterback in, in the in the draft coming up. I mean his quickness is just unbelievable. His route running is fantastic. His hands are the best I probably have ever seen. Um, there was uh, Kirk Herbstreit today was talking about why don't people get up on him and get their hands on him to stop him, to press him. But if you do that, he's got this little salsa sidestep swat move. It doesn't matter if you try to step, you, you try to get on, get your hands on him on the line of scrimmage. And if you do, you ain't gonna run with him because he's faster than he, he's faster. Than, what's that, what's that, what's that kid's name that just left Alabama, Minnesota, Henry Ruggs? Yeah, yeah he's faster than he's faster than that guy. And that guy ran like a four four. So. <laughs> I mean, Devont- the only thing you can do for Devontae Smith is injure him. You, you're going you're to have to take him out of the game because he is the best wide receiver I have ever seen in my life. 
and he's nice and he's he's a sweet boy and he's confident yeah. and he is going to make a lot of money and I'm really I'm really happy for him. I must say this one thing, you know, Las Vegas, they do this thing where they do like total points scored in a game and I think it was 74 and a half points and they were one and a half points off the the total i mean and in a blowout like this how do you get that right that's just unbelievable to me these these guys these guys are like they're shamans they they speak to gods that we don't have a line to if you're going to come on this show and talk betting i'm not really i don't want to hear it i i know all too well how good they are in vegas and and well i took i took i took over the points and i took bama by over 14 so i'm i'm cruising right now brother loving it it. and i like that pick too i I didn't have the balls to go the full 14 I, i was i was heavy on bama but uh Rightfully so. They were so good. And, and just to echo your sentiment around Devonta Smith, he was so fantastic all year. And Aaron and I were chatting at half time and, and we agreed with all of your comments. It was, it was so good to see a big time player stand up on the big stage. Like a lot of casual fans might only be tuning into this game. And he balled out. He showed what he's been doing all year and, and what he's built his career around. Like it's really matured year on year and he's become the best player in college football. It hasn't happened overnight. Like he's just continued to work and become a better player and by the end of the year he was an unstoppable force and yeah the, i mean the, every the time every, every time every time the guy touched the ball today he 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 had 18 yards he averaged 18 yards every time he touched the ball he had uh, 12 catches 215 yards and three touchdowns and then he hurt his finger uh you know because the linebacker cleaned him up but he still you know he's he's st- he still managed to stay out there and he, he's he's just an amazing player yeah. it was um it was an amazing effort by the, Alabama. The amount of times you see him on a screen where he's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage and at best, like you see this play a lot at the college football level and at best it looks like it's going to be eaten up and maybe he falls forward and he gets three yards. He just seems to find that edge with an extra quicker step and then he pulls away from everyone and he turns it into 12 yards just like that. Like it's, it's really quite uncanny the ability that he's got to do that at the level that he's playing. It's, it's amazing. Because he's not breaking yeah, I mean, tackles either. Like, he's not a tackle no, breaker because well, he's so skinny. You no. saw Josh Proctor come yeah. down in the first half and just ragdoll him. Um, yeah. But he just has got some wiggle and, and he gets a full arm's length away from dudes, which is in, in working in a phone booth. So I just don't get it. Some guys have got it because, again, you know, every single uh, college offense pretty much at the moment, certainly any team that runs some sort of spread, which is just about everybody, is running a bubble screen like they run. Uh, and there's a lot of dudes who cannot get yardage out of it, and he does every time. Absolutely. Yeah, he's absolutely. actually he's only a little bit over six foot. Most wide receivers mm. in the NFL nowadays, you'll see they're somewhere between 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Uh, but the, the thing about Devontae is he understands – uh, the intricacies of, of get-offs. And it, bo- I know both of you guys have played uh, some sort of wide receiver. Will, for you for sure. Aaron, you at tight end. You guys understand about get-offs and people trying to get their hands on you if you're somebody who's fast or can get around them. He is a master of those small little putting your weight to your outside, uh, slapping the inside elbow of a corner, ripping underneath and then swatting on the back of the corner to get past but then on top of that he runs a six uh, he runs a four four forty so like when when you add all those little things up this guy is just i mean 
unless there's a horrible injury to him, he is going to absolutely light the league up next year. If you're in fantasy, get this guy early. Get him, get him second round, second, second or third round. Get this guy. Oh, that's that's a big call, but I like it. I like chasing wide receivers in fantasy. All right, let's move on in terms of the game. Uh, let's stick with the Alabama offense, though. Najee Harris, I thought was. I suppose unspectacular, 22 carries, 79 yards. But he did a really good job of pacing the Alabama offense. I thought he made some big plays on third and medium or second and medium. You know, there was a a play in the second quarter where he ran outside zone uh, uh, to the right and got stoned for nothing. And then they hand the ball off again and there's a chance they get to... And he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage. There's a chance they go into third and eleven. He bounces off a tackle and then manages to get six, seven, eight yards and puts them in third and manageable. And I thought that was just really, really impressive. While he didn't light it on fire, he he got as much as he could when he could and that just helped balance out the game a little bit and let Mac Jones just deal and and get it to his, his big receivers. I thought the offensive line did a really, really good job and I know you look at uh, offensive line play before we get to that drew your thoughts on Najee harris will and and his game at running back i'm i'm really surprised at those numbers that you've put up there because watching the game it feels like he had a much bigger impact than that as, yeah, as you well i will actually let me let me just uh, interject real, real quick Najee harris was the third leading receiver in the league uh, in the game he had seven <laughs> receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown in yeah, receiving okay. Okay. Right. And so I mean, so so the guy has the guy has 160 all-purpose yards yeah. and three touchdowns. Yeah. So, and, and, I mean, he was, he was getting fed the ball, and as full credit to another point that I think we're going to kind of lead to at some point is around the offensive coaching staff and the job that they did for Alabama. So Steve Sarkeesian and and the game that they dialed up today was just fantastic. And and getting Harris the ball the way in the positions that they did, like he's such a good player and that he's not breaking these big 60 plus yard runs but what he is doing is getting yards after contact and getting you in a good spot. There were that many times, as you mentioned, where he's getting hit at the line of contact and somehow he falls forward for like eight yards. I'm not talking one or two yards here where he's doing it. Like he is just fighting and battling and, and getting it going. So it's he's another one who's been doing that all year. And for the, yeah, yeah, it's called it's called a jump cut. <laughs> His jump cut is just nasty when you plant your foot your right you plant your right or left foot in the ground and then you jump laterally at as you've been running forward you stop and then just jump laterally his jump cut is a lot like Le'Veon bells from back in the day it's just an amazing thing to watch how, how he moves in the yeah, game he, he had one on one of the early touchdown catches that he had where it was almost like slow motion like he he kind of drew it up and and it was like a really slow cut but the momentum of everyone across his face was flowing there and then it just opened right up and he's able to hit t- like back into speed right out of that cut and get going and, and kind of walk himself in for a touchdown so great call he's fantastic your thoughts on offensive line play, Drew? I know they won the Joe Moore Award, which is awarded to their best offensive line in college football. And I thought whilst they got a little bit of movement there, and there were times where they did uh, manage to move guys off the ball in the run game, it was their ability to keep Mac Jones completely clean. Like he was just wandering around in a pocket. He could have made a cup of tea, made things look really, really easy. Um, and he was at one point 17 of 20 over 200 yards in the first half. 
I mean, you've got to be impressed with how they just control the line of scrimmage, whether it's um, Neil at right tackle, Leatherwood at left tackle, and the interior guys did a really good job as well, and there was just zero pressure all day. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's, as you guys know, Alabama's always recruited really well on the offensive line. They lost one of their key players, um, the heart and soul of the uh, a team in the SEC championship game, the center, Landon Dickerson. He uh, did his knee and um, uh, got carted off the field, and the whole team stopped, and they all came over and gave him a pat on the back. And um, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide offensive line won best offensive line of the year uh, in voting, as they should have. Leatherwood is certainly going to be someone who you'll you'll see on Sundays playing the NFL. Uh, Landon Dickerson came out uh, at the end of the game. He dressed for the game. I that think was a really nice they, moment, actually. I yeah, they, was, ha- they haven't yeah. they haven't disclosed his injury, but I'm pretty sure it's an ACL. But uh, mm. he came out for the end of the game and and snapped the ball to finish the game off, which was fantastic for him. He's a really sweet kid who did most of his uh, battling at Florida State and then came to Alabama to finish his graduate degree. Um, so you know, Alabama is what it is. They 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 lock and they load and they reload and they reload. But the the, the good thing about the Alabama program, as you'll know from Nick Saban in the process is that they don't just reload with talent and throw the guys out there. They actually develop them with fantastic mm-hmm. coaches and uh, a fantastic program from Nick Saban. So it's it's not it's not just Henrys and Joes. It is also X's and O's when it comes to Alabama. Yeah, before we get to Sarkeesian, I think these kind of numbers start talking about how dominant the Alabama offense was. Of the first of the seven first half possessions, we had the one punt. Uh, which happened pretty late in the half. There was a fumble by Mac Jones. So if we get rid of those two, the other five were a 12-play, 78-yard touchdown, an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown. That was the first two touchdowns of the game. Way to way to set a tempo. They had a 5-play, 75-yard touchdown, a, another 5-play, 75-yard touchdown, a 3-play, 60-yard touchdown. And then they came out after half time and run a 16-play, 7-minute drive for a field goal. Like, that is just domination. You do not see that kind of consistent marching the field. And it's almost, you know, they got the explosive plays backing into the end of the first half. But those initial drives, if if you're Ohio State and you're making them, you know, take 12 plays, 13 plays, you're thinking that you're probably going to get enough there to, to hold them in some fashion, some way, but it just didn't happen. Alabama was so dominant up front and they just marched on them and it just felt like they were, I know, I mean, we were talking about it and it felt after the second touchdown, like this just feels like Alabama are in complete control. If it wasn't for the Mac Jones fumble and if it wasn't for a freak one-handed catch and a targeting penalty, I don't even know if Ohio State score any more than about seven in the first half. But anyway, um, your thoughts well, on the uh, on the Alabama offense as a whole, Will? Uh, I think the the only other one that we haven't really touched on yet so far from that offensive side is Mac Jones and the fantastic game and season that he's had. So he really capped it all off himself, and he kind of goes a little bit unloved. Like in any other year, he's uh, he's walking away with a Heisman and and getting it done. I think he just had that constant knock on him all year that he's got such an elite surrounding supporting cast that 
anyone on the couch could probably step in and do what he's doing. Like that's been the general consensus. But the more you watch him, the more you see that's not the fucking case. Like the kid is a baller and he does such a fantastic job within that offense. And and, and that showed out all of today with what he was doing and, and what was asked of him. I think he missed one throw to Devonta Smith early that they ended up scoring on that mm. drive anyways. But outside of that, he was almost flawless on the day. That and the fumble where you could see he was really pissed off and, and there was a lot of commentary about the maturation of him as a player and how you know previously he'd get really angry and kind of a bit down on himself and he was able to wear it, be pissed off, but then brush it off and say, all right, that's on me, I'm going to turn this around. So he's the, the other one from this offensive unit. You talk about the, the three-headed monster. He's, he's fantastic. He's another one that's going to go to the draft that's turned himself from a game manager, undrafted dude that might, you know, Greg McElroy sort of dude, like might get in the league and not really bounce around. To, he's going to be a first-round pick. And, and rightfully so off, off of what we've seen. And, and he's going to have an opportunity to carve himself a career at the NFL level. Did you honestly yeah, expect I totally, this from I, Mac Jones, Drew? Did you expect this I, well, from him coming into the year? Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I, I agree with Will that he will be a late-round first-round uh, first draft pick. Um, uh, he was 36 of 45, 464 yards and five touchdowns today. And that is maybe like 20 yards short of Joe Burrow's uh, heralded um, output in the championship game last year. So he uh, certainly will have major eyes on him. Granted, he had a, a Heisman candidate running back, and granted, he had a Heisman <laughs> candidate wide receiver. He'll have all of those guys in the NFL as well. He has a fantastic brain. He understands yeah, he football. He, he knows about moving around in the pocket. He's not a fast guy, but if he needs to run, he will. He's faster than Tom Brady. So, you know, uh, he'll, 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 be, he'll be just fine. I mean, look, you know, you're talking about bouncing around the league or whatever. A.J. McCarron has made a very good life for himself uh, as a backup quarterback clipboard holder in the NFL. There's, there's a lot of other terrible jobs you can have rather than oh. not being the starter on an NFL team in the league. So Mac Jones certainly cemented himself as a first-round pick. I would love for him to go to the Patriots. Be, it'd be great if he could go there. Would love that. I don't know if he's got the arm strength. I'm putting that out there. What, what, uh, what, I, what I also want to th throw in here on the, <laughs> on the back of the, uh, you know, he's faster than Tom Brady comment. A lot of people kind of see this game and go, you know, I'd stack up or I, I could do that. Tom Brady's running a faster 40 time than I am. And, and that's like current age uh, where he's at. That just kind of shows the discrepancy of these athletes against your regular everyday Joe. Like I'm not saying I'm a super fast dude, but I'm a, I'm a fairly regular out there guy. And these guys are running circles around me. Like old ass 45 year old men are running past me down the track there. So Yeah, Will, Will I would dare say that most of the offensive linemen in the NFL run faster than uh, you do. It, absolutely. It's so, like I see, and you and see and these guys it's, chime it's not in an at insult. 320 pounds. Yeah, and it's not an insult to say so i mean when i when i was playing uh one double a ball in ncaa at sanford i was told that uh three percent of all college football players go to the nfl and then one and a half percent of them actually make it so uh these the, the guys that play in the nfl are the the best of the best the elite of the elite and um mac jones is one of them i mean look i mean look at his performance today i mean it, it, it's it's it, it's sad for Ohio State that Fields got hurt uh, against Clemson, and it's sad for Ohio State that Sermon uh, broke his collarbone or whatever it was that happened to him. But, I mean, Alabama was not going to be denied getting into the end zone on their offense. It was just whether or not they could outscore Ohio State 
because Ohio State had an elite offense when they were healthy. They just weren't healthy today. Yeah, I think that's um, a really good segue into that now, and I'm sure that's where you're going to take things, Aaron. Um, no, not I, at all. I, I, like, I know I, for one, was uh, especially disappointed when Sermon went out in this game because he'd been so fun to watch the last couple of weeks. Like, he'd put on such a an impressive performance and anyone who turns their back on Oklahoma and, and sees greener pastures I can get around so going into this game <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping he could kind of explode and, and really do some stuff and then him going down that was lights out like they were already really up against it and I don't think anyone on this show really gave them much of a chance but as soon as that happened it was like they're not going to be able to keep up it's just not going to happen and even if stuff gets crazy for them like that fumble we saw earlier in the in the first quarter or whatever it was it it was never going to be enough so that one really hurt Justin Fields was obviously banged up uh I I you, you hate to see that, but I think this is more, even if he was fully healthy, the game that I probably would have expected, to be honest. Like, I feel like last week's insane performance was more the outlier than what we've seen across this year. He's been a bit up and down, so to see these sorts of pedestrian numbers, it's easy to say, yeah, he was sore. But it's also a very good team that he was coming up against who were prepared and ready to go, so... And that's pretty standard for him. Like, if you have a look at his numbers, that's kind of... He regressed back to the mean there, and, and I think that's who Justin Fields is. And people were talking about, oh, he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Again, he's not, so let's calm down on that. But um, with the Trey Sermon thing, Drew, what does it mean to lose your running back? How does that change your offense and, and the play calling, I suppose, that that Ryan Day was able to put out there when you lose a guy who can run the ball, he's good on the outside, um, can work the screen game, compared to Master Teague, who certainly can run between the tackles and he's a bowling ball, but he doesn't give you give you that threat in the receiving game. How does that influence maybe the play calling and, and you know staying on schedule and things like that in a game of football? Well, you look at Ohio State, they, they've all, for the most part, since um, Urban Meyer was there and has left, they were a read option team. Justin Fields is a fast quarterback. Uh, he was actually the leading rusher for their team in this game. Um, uh, Teague had two touchdowns, but he was a couple yards short of outrushing Justin Fields. And uh, when you don't have someone who is as quick and as scatty as Sermon was against Clemson, um, they just – what they do is you, when you run a read option, you put the ball in the gut of the running back and then you make the defensive end make the decision to either tackle the running back or tackle the quarterback. So what Alabama's defense did, they said, okay, we're just going to stay outside and make you give it to the running back who we know is not as good as the other guy. And as you see, he had, he had 15 carries for 65 yards, which is not very good. So average of 4.3 yards a rush which is not very good. So Alabama's defense just uh, shut them down at that point. Also, and it also means you can you can drop guys out of the box and you can make Justin Fields, not that they necessarily had to, they were pretty comfortable in, in man coverage, but uh, it means you can drop guys out of the box. You don't have to put extra numbers. You don't have to bring a safety down um, to try and, and help out in the run game as much as you would with Trey Sermon, especially um, the job that, that Alabama did up front was was really impressive i you know they're a little bit underrated a bit maligned i suppose a, a defensive line this year we they didn't have the big names they were a bit younger and they were fantastic today they controlled the line of scrimmage and and that was an area for me that i thought ohio state could come into the game and actually have an influence there and actually get on top 
they couldn't do that at all and it meant that Justin Fields was throwing under pressure it meant that the run game went away and those two things are never a good recipe uh, Christian Barmore will be a name that you'll hear in the NFL he had a great yeah. game today but you are correct their defense is not what it used to be and Nick Saban is the first to tell you that uh, it used to be that good defenses beat good offenses but that's not the case anymore and that's the reason why you've seen Alabama go away from the old school white stand in the pocket quarterback and gone more to the read option uh, quarterback who can run uh, bar Mac Jones actually I mean he, he's, he's been good but um, Saban, Saban said a good defense doesn't beat a good offense anymore yeah, and it's not just Alabama where we've seen that. That's been the whole SEC has kind of gone that way. Uh, and it's been an interesting storyline that Aaron and I have been on all year kind of talking about how dominant the Big 12 defences are now and how they're Jesus kind of a really... You gotta, now, you, now he's going to vomit this crap into your ears as well. Beard out, where the SEC have just decided to air it out and have some fun and make their, their games enjoyable, so... Well, if you, I'm not sure if you remember or not, but the last time that we played Ohio State in a game, we lost to them. Um, and that was because they had the quarterback who could run and throw, and they had the running back um, who could, uh, you know, like in Ezekiel Elliott, who could really just pound the ball at the middle. So, mm. uh, you know, we learned from our mistakes, and um, we got over the whole smash-mouth football, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing, and we've adapted, and uh, now we have 18 championships. So <laughs> Yeah. 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 Just, the last one we're going to talk about um, is Sark. I think he deserves a little bit more airtime because I know you've been following him pretty closely, Drew, and, and just the fact, the way they started this game, Alabama, there was clearly an emphasis on attacking the edges of that defense, making those forced defenders, whoever it was, whether it was linebackers, DNs, or making cornerbacks come up and help in the run game. They then, you know, went to the quick game, especially with that cover one, cover three, and, and bail techniques that Sean Wade was using. And I thought, yeah, he made some tackles, he made some okay plays, but... As on general, I thought he looked pretty overrated as a as a first round cornerback today. I know he was against some really good players. I get all that, but just the system they've got him running in is is in bail technique a lot. And on on the Alabama side, Sark called almost a perfect game. I mean, it felt like it watching it. There were just very few misfires, uh, and he was running stuff off of stuff off of stuff. And even the stuff that was a setup for another play later in the game was working anyway. So, you know, it, he just felt like he had complete command. And I think he'll be a bit of a loss for you guys next year. Yeah, I mean, uh, word on the street is we're going to get Bill O'Brien from the Houston Texans. So, I mean, well, he'll, he'll be is all he right. Take over, at, is he going to is he going to take over the personnel management development area as well? Because that'll be for good. Sar, for Sarkey. Well, no, I doubt Saban will still be doing that. Um, as you as you know, I mean, let's be nice to Sarkeesian, but he was a drunk before he got to Alabama, and now he's going to take over the job at Texas as to how he's done in Alabama, but. Uh, he's he's an RPO guy, and he understands uh, movement, and he understands uh, uh, taking advantage of zones and and man. And uh, so Sarkeesian's going to go to Texas. Butch Jones also got a head coaching job at uh, Arkansas State. So yeah. as as Alabama has done, they they're just going to keep reloading with um, 
with players and coaches and uh, keep it going. But uh, Sarkeesian's evolution of his offensive philosophy was really interesting to me because um, as I discussed with somebody who I played football with here um, in um, Adelaide, uh, some of the things that he was doing in in the back end of the season I hadn't seen before like these uh, as you and I talked about earlier uh, pre pre show about these orbit routes and um the little nuances of uh just things that you don't uh, as, as somebody who has structured an offense before just things that you don't really think about and uh Sarkeesian has certainly got everything clicking um and when you are able to have chess pieces that are as good as what Alabama has and then the ideas that he had to watch them unfold was just magical this year. So I wish him all the best. He's a a great comeback story, Steve Sarkeesian is, and uh, Butch Jones as well. I wish him all the best. It'll be great. But, yeah, so word on the street is we're going to be getting Bill O'Brien from – uh, from Houston coming over to be the yeah, offensive coordinator I, now. I mean, that'll be dangerous because I thought he did a pretty good job at Penn State before he moved on to the NFL. Um, I think Sark, like to me, he had the illusion of complexity when it was often quite simple. It was getting a good matchup. It was getting Devontae Smith on a linebacker and just running an over route until they can't cover you anymore. It was seeing... Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, I, I, I understand... And, you know, yeah, for you, for somebody who's played football, I could see how you would think it wouldn't necessarily be complex, but the positioning of uh, Devontae Smith at X yeah. and then at Y and then at Z and then in empty for, at, at a, in a flare route, I mean, like he, his the movement for, for us, like people who played basic football here, what they were doing over there is uh, that's some Ivy League stuff. Just unbelievable, that guy. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. that was a, a, a common uh, take on the first half of the game was why aren't Ohio State doing more to stop Devonta Smith? And, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, and, and it was because yeah. like they were scheming it up for him that he was getting moved around. That there were there, it was very difficult for you to be able to try and put a defensive scheme in place to be able to shut down the one guy. Not just the fact that they had the other weapons, but because he's moving across the entire formation and making plays out of all of these different sorts of looks, it becomes incredibly difficult to put that in place so yeah that's that's, that's right so they so they put Devonte uh at the inside slot on a trips left uh, yeah. which has the outside linebacker covering him but but sarkeesian as he did motion noticed they were in zone so Devonte, being a smart receiver knows that he needs to run a route that goes all the way across to the other side of the field which in turn leaves the middle linebacker covering <laughs> Devonte smith which he scored a touchdown off of because so, that's just how I felt so I mean, bad what are you going to do, bro? On that one, yeah, he was just like, yeah. <laughs> I thought he yeah, was actually closer than I thought he would be. I thought he did okay. <laughs> I thought he was yeah, and, and and to Ma- and to Max Jones, Mac Jones credit. I mean, this, these guys are running so fast, and to be able to put the ball into that bucket is just mm. an amazing thing. So Mac Jones is going to make get a good paycheck as well. He's he's no spring chicken. Yeah, I, uh, no, really, an, really, really impressive. Read an interesting article on Sarkeesian this afternoon uh, around all of this, and there was talk that he was kind of in line and had a bit of a handshake deal with Nick Saban to be the heir apparent at Alabama. 
uh, and that it was. We've heard this like five times. Oh, now. Absolutely, like it was Dabo Swinney two years out. ago. Like it was, but yeah. uh, it, it it obviously kind of shows the the allure of the Texas job. It is another one that's out there. There's very few jobs where you can genuinely go there and be a national contender potentially. There's, there's well, they just a... have so much money. I mean, correct, they, <laughs> correct. You know, so they, they, Texas is. Pro, pro, Texas probably has more money than Alabama does when it comes to boosters because of their oil over there. But um, uh, whoever takes over from Saban, if it's not Dabo Swinney, will definitely be from the Saban Bilicek tree. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, this it may be maybe Bill O'Brien. Who knows? But also an impossible legacy to follow too. So I could see why you'd want to get out of that. Like te- Texas is great. It comes with its own issues with all of those boosters and that oil money in, it, in its own right. But as a Texas fan, and you'd be thrilled with what you saw in this one. And I know a few people are kind of like, wasn't he the drunk at USC? Why have we ditched Herman for this? But then having put yeah, the I mean the same. Today, they said the same thing about Lane Kiffin. But I mean, look look what Lane Kiffin did. He was just amazing. Like. Um, uh, I, 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 I think that with um, Saban uh, surpassing Bear Bryant now for national championships at, Al- at Alabama um, and him being the same age that Bear Bryant was, 69, when Bear Bryant retired, Saban still probably got another five years in him at least. Um, so it's not going to be any time soon before somebody takes over for Saban because uh, he's not the defensive coordinator. He's not the offensive coordinator. He is basically a CEO of a company, uh, and he is running it, as you can tell from this game, um, you know, as good as anybody's ever done, ever. He's, he's, if he's on that, like, TB12, like, health kick, he could go for, like, another 40 years, though, and then that Well, he eats, be... he eats an oatmeal cream pie every morning, so he's certainly not on the Tom Brady <laughs> health kick. <laughs> um, all right, just, I mean, that, unless there's any final thoughts you've got on this uh, Alabama 52, Ohio State's 24 national championship, just closing thoughts on the game, Will, before we move on to some other stuff. Uh, look, no, I think we've covered most of it there. The Alabama Crimson Tide have been the best team quite clearly on the back half of the year. I think as soon as they took over that top spot, they've just been so strong. The only real challenge they had this year was against a Florida team who really showed out in that one game. And to have a season like this where you are so dominant, you have what one scare in an in a conference championship game and it wasn't even in a scare like it was just a close matchup they, they weren't down they didn't have to come from behind and, and do something magical to win it to be that dominant across a year is actually really quite rare and I know we had it with LSU last year who were a very very good team and went undefeated but before that you don't often see this sort of domination so you really kind of need to tip your hat towards it and the unit that they've had not only with the year that they've had but in the season that it is like the with all the shit that's been going on across the last 12 months for them to be able to do that even kind of in my eyes makes this all the more impressive so full credit to them and uh drew i, I hope you enjoy this one i know you will mate yeah thanks a lot the uh, um odds makers have already come out for next year as well and put alabama at the top uh and then you've got clemson ohio state and then your mates oklahoma and they've also got alabama's new quarterback for next year who will be a sophomore his name uh if you haven't heard is bryce bryce young and he is already one of the favorites for the heisman next year so uh you (laughs) know if you don't like cleaner at the moment so 
Yeah, well, so is Devontae gym. Smith, but he's all right. Uh, <laughs> if, 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 you, if, you, if you don't like Alabama winning, uh, go watch hockey, I guess. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I guess just following on from that, where does this kind of leave college football then, Drew? Like, you know, we've seen Alabama, Ohio State, re- you know, Clemson really dominate what are you know what are we looking forward to next year is is it just going to be much of the same do you see the landscape of college football changing after a year like this and will it change for the better or is it just going to be much of the much of the same moving forward do you think well i mean covid makes everything really fluid so um i'm not really sure i, I i'm not I, i'm not nostradamus but i would say that um you know there's still a college football playoff committee who selects the uh, players that go into the playoffs. So as long as they've got a top four teams that go into the playoff, you're going to see play, uh, teams from the uh, predominantly uh, major conferences going into these um, going into these finals. I mean, seeing Notre Dame there was was great and all, but uh, you know, Ohio, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, even Texas, maybe. Uh, USC, North Carolina, LSU, Cincinnati, you're not going to see Wake Forest or UCF or Ball State in the in the championship. So if, if you want to be a, a, a – if you're in Australia listening to this podcast and you want to be a fan of a team that's going to be in the college football playoffs, maybe pick a team in the top ten. Don't pick Illinois. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> nah, we're we're, we're changing that anyway. narrative. Aaron and I are getting on the group of five bandwagon. We're going to start drumming that up. We think there's more intrigue in there and it's a bit more open. <laughs> so It's more unpredictable. These These <laughs> – the Power Five just are too dominated by the heavy hitters. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think I think that makes perfect sense. I always fall for the trap though of you know pl- teams blooding new quarterbacks. So Bryce Young at uh, where are we at Alabama? We've got um, DJ Ungalale at Clemson, who's sort of new, sort of not. He's He's got a bit this year. Uh, and then you've got Ohio State are going to have to put in a new quarterback as well. And I always fall for the trap that these teams are going to take a step back because most other teams that have got only humans working for them do do that. They kind of regress a little bit when they run a new quarterback. Unfortunately, the heavy hitters don't do it so much, but... I think that OU could be a real threat next year. I think they closed the season really, really well. Um, and uh, and I'd, I'm a Spencer Rattler believer. Oh, yuck. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, 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 four, they're fourth in odds to win, so not, not a bad pick. Yeah, I mean, no. so no, they're not going to uh, win. So North, Alabama North Carolina? Win again. Good. North Carolina? Oh, no, yeah, North, Carolina, North, North, North Carolina's in the top. North Carolina's in the top 10 of odds to win. So There we go. All right, we've got a few other bits and pieces we do need to get to. So I know you've had a flutter as well, uh, Drew. So let's get on the punt. Here comes the money. Let's hear how we went for the last time. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. Now, do I finally get to play the winning soundbite? Do I get to play this one? Yes, Will. Make and bank. You've had to uh, brush away the cobwebs on that button on your sound deck there (laughs) because it's been a while since we've uh, been able to give that one a ring. But no, 
Uh, went a little bit boring, as I mentioned in the lead up to this one. Couldn't find any uh, same game multis or anything fun like that to try and dig me out of the hole that I was in. So ended up just going smack bang, Alabama at uh, eight. I was getting $2 odds uh, and minus eight there. So I just loaded up the 10 units on that. Get that back. That that eats into the deficit that we'd created for ourselves this year as as a community. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's like negative twenty something units on the year, which is incredibly disappointing. But hey, we're, we're you're only as good as your last bet in my eyes, and uh, I'm, I'm optimistic now heading into the off season to really get a, a new system in place and, and to work on something here. Another new system. You are changing coaches faster than the Cleveland Browns at the moment. So, uh, Drew, you made some money as well on the weekend, which is good news. Yeah, yeah, I did all right. Um, uh, Bama over fourteen and uh, over the point seventy four and a half. They scored seventy six. I got, I got, I got some NFL stuff for you. They take the Packers, the Bucks, the Ravens, and the Chiefs in a multi. You'll make some money. Don't hate that actually. Get around my Bucks. Then Saints aren't going to beat them three times in the same year. All right, bold prediction nope. time though. Uh, now I had a few. Um, and you have to tell me a few about these. I said my one of my big predictions for the game was that Alabama fans wouldn't be um, arrogant after they won. Uh, I've avoided Twitter, but have they managed to reduce the smugness and the arrogance? I think it's impossible when when you've won and in that sort of fashion. There's a fair, there's enough of it out there that I'm probably not going to give that one for you. Uh, okay. But right, like rightfully so, you're you're at a hiding there. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also said Devonta Smith wouldn't score a touchdown. And the other one I had was Nick Saban would actually uh, show some emotion. And he did. He yeah, actually yeah. did. He was genuinely happy. He was smiling. Yeah. He was happy for the players. This makes me yeah. think, and we've sort of touched on this, I reckon little Nicky is thinking about retirement. I don't think no. it's that far <laughs> off. He was nah. he was he was a human today, and it was I didn't know he had it in him, but he did, and I think he is thinking about just putting the feet up on a million dollar mansion in South Florida somewhere, enjoying that sun, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a lake house in South Georgia, and he ain't he ain't going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I mean they they dealt they dealt with uh, they dealt with COVID all year. He got COVID, wasn't able to be at a game. Put yeah. it all on the players. The players responded. There was no locker room adversity. It was a great season, a great recruiting class, a final uh, just a lovely firework at uh, firework celebration at the end of the of a season that has been completely riddled with COVID. So uh, congratulations to the greatest football program in the sport ever. So it's just a wonderful oh, thing. I love it. There's, there's your Is that enough for you? <laughs> yeah. Mate, right. You are, like yeah, so, I like yeah. I mean, I was just impressed that he was, he appeared genuinely happy. I've seen him after national championship games before and just like, yep, on to next year. It didn't feel like that, which was nice. It seemed like yeah. he actually yeah, you'll, you'll never, you'll never catch Nick Saban looking backwards. He's always looking forward and yeah. we're just going to get another one next year. So yep. roll tide, you guys. Thanks for having me. No worries. Of course, big fella. It's, it's been great having you on. Really appreciate it. Uh, you'd be happy to know my bold prediction was that Alabama was going to smack the shit out of them and win by over 30. <laughs> I haven't quite got there, but uh, <laughs> I was certainly on the, on the right lines of things. Um, how, Thanks and how's a lot, the guys. Fam- 
how's the family overseas, Drew? They've enjoyed it. They enjoyed the win, I assume. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just like my family and everybody else's family, I got people dealing with COVID. So um, yeah, we're, we're, we're always happy to stop. We're always happy to stop thinking about the coronavirus and the tumult that is happening in our government. And uh, this next week should be really fun for people who have been watching the United States as a, a Netflix show. Um, <laughs> this this next week will be really good. Uh, yeah. It should be the um, the final uh, the finale. I'm, I'm not sure who's yeah, going to die. Season finale of the U.S. is the USA. Kicking yeah, off this week. So it's <laughs> yeah. So don't don't this. go over there anytime soon. That's all I'm saying. All right. That brings us to the end of our national championship game recap. And what a season has been. Will and I will be back for some more shows in the future. Just breaking down the season that was 2020, 2021. Thank you again to Drew Aiken. We love having you on a wealth of knowledge and always nice to bring some energy and roll tide. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. Roll tide. Thanks, mate. All right. For uh, If you would like to, as always, do hit us up Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at CFB Down Under. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. Leave us a comment and enjoy your off-season. For that guy over there... My name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.